I'm Robin Amlo of IBS Intelligence, and you're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Roxana Mohamedian Molina, Chief Strategy Officer of Blend Network. Roxana, we're talking about the relationship between banks and fintech and how, in the early days, fintech took up some of the slack from banking when people moved out of certain business areas and they Mm -hmm. focused on one single product line. You're seeing a change in that now. Yes, exactly. I think that, you know, the amalgamation in a sense of uh, finance and technology giving way to the unprecedented wave of uh, financial innovation uh, that we witnessed in the 2010s, uh, it really goes back to the 2008 and 9 financial crisis. I think that was a time when banks and many traditional financial institutions, they, they went back to, to basics, if I may use the term, and they decided to uh, refocus on their, their capabilities, on, on um, you know, the existing, uh, some of the business areas they traditionally had done. They weren't considering essential some areas such as SME lending, um, you know, trade finance lending and real estate development finance lending. Um, so, so that was kind of the you know unbundling of uh, fintech and traditional financial institutions because we saw that uh, uh, there were those tech-powered companies, they were nimble, they were efficient and innovative, and they came in and they took um, that part of the business that uh, traditional financial institutions were no longer uh, willing or, or able to do. But I think that now we have started to see a reverse of that situation, um, which uh, I think what is what 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 we call here uh, the reverse on the unbundling, we are starting to see the rebundling of the, the you know the traditional banking and the finance. The new digital challenge challengers they saw an opportunity uh, in in terms of disaggregating. Uh, you know, the components of uh, traditional banking and offered targeted solutions uh, with offer that were offering better services to, to end users. But now um, I think we really have started to see to, to see the opposite. And I think evident recently in some of the comments made by, you know, the, the traditional banks and also by the challenger banks. We we saw recently um, the CEO of Sterling Bank and Boden, she said that, uh, you know, they are actively looking to to acquire a lending business. And, and the same uh, JP Morgan CEO, he, he had the very flattering words for alternative lenders when he predicted a shift to non-bank lending. So I think that is a very interesting trend we have started to see. Well, there are certain places, particularly in the US and in the UK, where it's a very crowded marketplace now. I'm not saying everybody's doing the same thing, but there are lots of people specialising. And You mentioned SME lending. There have been a number of new launch SME banks. Is the agglomeration of them back into a much smaller number of institutions inevitable? I think we will see uh, we will see a, a regrouping, you know, a, a rebundling of the sector uh, because um, you know in the beginning, um, as I said, you know, the big banks they they, they were not interested in that business, so uh, so they were happy or, or they didn't even care that someone else were, was uh, you know looking to to take over that business. But now they have started to look at the fintechs from the corner of their eyes and. and looking at what you know what the fintechs are doing and, and seeing that there are really potential synergies because I think if you look at the banks 
uh, depositors at the banks, uh, they are getting close to zero interest on their, on their deposit. And then at the same time, banks are, are not lending because they don't really have necessarily, you know, the origination vehicle as well to, to be SME lenders or to be, you know, development finance lenders. You need to have very strong origination vehicle, which uh, often needs a, a, a lot of uh, you know, the, the, the newest technology, AI, and so on. So um, fintechs are doing that very well. You know, they are originating very well and they are lending. So for a bank, you know, for a traditional bank, is almost like, you know, why we, would we go back now to, to set up our own origination vehicle uh, to, to lend when we can partner with a fintech and A, lend to SMEs, lend to property developers, deploy money, and B, uh, have some, you know, in, by investing in those uh, SME loans, development loans, be able to give a high return to our depositors. It's not just about having a high return for depositors. Banks only make money. And I think we need to remind people about this. Banks only make money by lending money. They don't make money by holding money on deposit. Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and you know, over the past you know, 12 months, a lot of the traditional lenders, they, they basically have uh, focused a lot of their resources on the government lending, the civils and so on. And they have left aside you know, any new lending or taking up any new any new customers on the lending side. And I think the real estate market, the development finance market is, is one of the markets that has been most affected because it, it hasn't really been priority. You know, a lot, a lot of the, the banks, they've been focusing on CVs a lot, you, helping SMEs, but, but we, we focus on property developers and we have been, we see every day um, how many property developers, they come saying, you know, uh, that they, they can't get funding. So we're looking at another situation. For some people, this might be vaguely reminiscent for those of us who are old enough. There was a first wave of challenger financial institutions and a first wave of challenger payment vehicles and lending vehicles in the late 90s and the early noughties. You have to go back 20 years. It wasn't technology-based in the way the current round of development has been. It was more about seeing a market opportunity to undercut existing traditional lenders, not, as I say, necessarily driven by technology, but certainly by a lack of legacy systems. Now we have banks, and not just traditional banks, but challenger banks, looking to get into more high-value banking activities. And that's the point of Anne Bowden's comment from Starling, saying she's looking at buying a lender. Yes, exactly, exactly right, and and you know there's this is a market where there is a we we have already seen some level of partnerships, but frankly they have not so far been very very uh, you know successful this partnership, and I think we will see a lot more focus on the partnership going forward. For example, you know in 2016 the UK government created what is called the bank referral scheme, and this was aimed to help businesses who have been unsuccessful in in a credit application process with a traditional bank to obtain funding from a non-bank lender, uh, alternative lending platforms. The latest data that we have by the HMRC shows that it really hasn't been very successful in driving alternative lenders, but there has been a lot of push because 
this could be the perfect example for the perfect partnership, you know, between traditional lenders and alternative lenders in a way that uh, everyone is a winner. The, 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 the end user is a winner because they can unlock finance. The traditional bank, they, ha- they can help their customers and the alternative lender is deploying funding. So technology is a big part of this because um, fintechs are, you know, they tend to be, obviously with a few exceptions, they tend to be smaller, you know, more nimble companies. So they are more flexible and they have been using technology in a very effective way to to, to do this. Roxana Mohammadi and Melina, Chief Strategy Officer of Blend Network, thank you very much.